This is the Ed Milet Show. Okay, welcome back to Max Out, everybody. Very excited to bring my good friend here to share him with you all today. I think the timing's perfect because of some of the things going on in the world. He needs no introduction, but I'll give him one. Um, for me, first, he's the greatest baseball player I've ever laid eyes on. And uh, millions and millions of people would agree with that sentiment. But he's also an incredibly successful entrepreneur, broadcaster, but my favorite part about him is I've gotten to know him as a friend over the last many years is the type of family man he is. And that really is the thing I admire the most about him. And so I couldn't think of a better person to share with all of you during these times than my friend Alex Rodriguez. So, Alex, thanks for being here today, brother. It's a pleasure to be here. We've been uh, planning this for a while, but I think you're right. This is the, the perfect time to uh, hopefully shed some good energy to all your great uh, listeners. I think so, brother. So speaking of that, we won't talk all about just the timing we're in, but we, if you're listening to this at a different time or watching it, we're filming this during the coronavirus pandemic. And obviously that's created a lot of anxiety, fear, worry in people. Someone like you and Jen, millions of people look up to you guys. And I'm just curious, any advice you would have for people to cope and maybe even thrive during this time? Anything you've been doing or that you think other people should be doing? Yeah, I, I do. I think, look, this is a crisis. There's no way around it. And, and you know, I, I feel for so many people that uh, work so hard and, 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 and do the right thing and, and mother and father their children, and they're just going through a difficult time and they really do not deserve that. Um, but I've always been, you know, a guy that tries to make lemonade out of lemons and turn a crisis into a, a positive. And I think with this given time, you have an opportunity uh, of a lifetime to uh, get yourself in better physical condition, um, to be able to read more, to be able to listen to podcasts, uh, look at YouTube, uh, double down on your set of skills, uh, create content, tell your stories. And I, I do feel that when we come out of this, if you do the right things now and you plant the right seeds, you will be able to uh, come out better, more grateful, more frugal. Uh, I think we're going to think about uh, consumer spending a little bit differently. And uh, I, I think that if you take this opportunity, you'll be better when you get to the other side of the lake. Yeah, I've been saying that too. Great advice. It's almost like you could really use this as preparation time, almost like a separator, you know. And when we do get launched back into the world at some point, there is going to be a separation for those that prepared mentally, physically, they grew themselves, and those that sort of took the sweatpant Netflix every single day approach. And when we get out of here, there's going to be a separator because we're going to have to get – you're probably going to have to be better, stronger, more capable than you were before just to get to the same place, never mind Excel. So I'm with you a million percent on that. I want to talk a little bit about you and what you just said on that because when I got to know you, I was fascinated, man, with – I knew you were a successful entrepreneur, but the, the genesis of it sort of blew my mind. The way you grew up and then the, your entrance into entrepreneurship, just share with them. Because I think there's a lot of people right now, Alex, that ironically might be in their 30s or 40s, but they're sort of where you were when you got into entrepreneurship, meaning they're, you're playing baseball, you know, and they're in this other career, but right now they're going, I need to reevaluate. I can't just have this career. You know, this isn't going to get me to the promised land. So tell them a little bit about that with you. 
Yeah, I think, uh, and like like baseball, business is something that's kind of in my blood, is in my DNA. I love it, uh, but I've always been process driven, and and my superpower hasn't been my incredible IQ because God knows I don't have a lot of that. But what I do have is I have uh, you know world class work ethic, and I I'm, I'm a black belt when it comes to resilience and grit and never giving up. I also love team and I love bonding and collaborating. And it's interesting, Magic was one of my favorite basketball players and he was great at, at, at feeding the ball. And I think that when you feed the basketball versus always shooting, like being a ball hog, I think that you, know, you, you serve yourself better as well because yeah. as you serve the world and you, uh, you're so wonderful at this and, and you give back, uh, I would be nothing at it if it wasn't for the Boys and Girls Club, if it wasn't for my mother who worked two jobs, if it wasn't for people uh, that, you know, took a liking uh, towards me when I was a young kid. Uh, I'm a scholarship kid, and I realized that I had to do three things as a young man. I had to get good grades. Uh, I had to play good baseball, and I had to behave uh, in a certain manner to maintain my scholarship. Or else those parents would not pick me up and drop me off because they wouldn't want me around their kids. So I was always, you know, two strikes right behind the eight ball. And I had to make sure that I, I kept myself uh, ahead of the game. So that's what I love about business is I love it. I like to study it. Uh, I'm a lifelong uh, student and I like to teach. And I love, love, love when people on my team, uh, when they make their first million dollars, oh my God, it's like winning the World Series. To see yeah. others succeed, it's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, the thing about you that shocked me was because I think you're a confident person. When you meet you, I think you go, this is a very confident man. The people that I know that are the most successful and happy have this, they eventually arrive to it. I don't know if you had this when you're in your 20s or not, but I didn't know you then, but, but they have this amazing combination. And I could name you lists of people that have been on my show or that are friends of yours and I's of really high self-confidence combined with humility. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that humility of yours, everybody in Alex's case manifests itself in his preparation. This man doesn't show up to a meeting without a notepad, writing notes. I think that requires humility to want to be a student like you are. I kind of consider you sort of meticulous in that regard. Was that baseball and business? Talk a little bit about preparation for you. Because everyone right now, they've got an opportunity to be doing that. How important is preparation to your self-confidence and your performance? Uh, it's been one of the big uh, kind of nuggets of, of my career uh, to be – you know, it's funny. I played 25 years, Ed, uh, 25 years of professional baseball. It's hard to believe. And I never played. I had over 15,000 at-bats in the major leagues. And I never had one game that I did not do my pregame routine. Not one. Not one. And on those days that there was games, sometimes we played extra innings, 15, 16 innings. And the game ended at 2.30 in the morning and we had a day game at one o'clock in the hot summer of Texas or something. And my routine wasn't, you know, 30 minutes. It, it may be three and a half minutes. It was condensed, uh, it was concentrated, but I never, never would get, and that's incredible. That's one of the things that I'm most proud of. People say, oh, well, you know, 696 home runs, RBIs, runs scored. To me, that little data point that I told you is, is what I'm most proud of because Again, I am process driven. I am obsessed with the process, doing things the right way, working on your fundamentals. And every day there's a way that you can get your fundamentals a little bit better, 
you can get a little bit smarter. And today in 2020, there's so much access. I mean, you don't have to go to a library and drive down to downtown to go to the library building. Now you can just go Google and YouTube and there's so much information that, that that's what I get, is I get my highs from. Yeah, brother. I, the other thing that separated you and does to this day in business and, can, and everybody is most people, their work ethic or preparation level can be bought. So with a certain amount of success, they get a little loose. You know exactly, you played with guys like this, right? We know them in business. A little bit of success. They get to a certain income level of its business. And there's, they, it gets bought. For really big-time players, I think their preparation and focus level increases the more successful they become. But I'm always fascinated because I wasn't kidding. For me, you're the greatest baseball player that I've ever seen. And arguably, guys, and he'll just he'll probably make me edit this out, but mm -hmm. um, he could potentially go down as the greatest player at two positions, which no one else can claim. Thank you. Shortstop and third base in the history of a sport to potentially be the greatest shortstop or third baseman or both is just, it's unbelievable what you achieved, especially if everybody knew where you came from, which we don't have time to get into today. What moved you more and does today? The fear of failing or the desire to succeed and win? Like really what moves you? I'm curious, like even to this day, bro, or is it different from when you were 25 years old? Hmm. I think what I'm scared about is 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 going into something, uh, any project, and not being prepared. Um, I remember having nightmares that you know I would be uh, playing in New York a day game. Of course, my boss is George Steinbrenner, but I always had this like fear that I would oversleep and miss miss the game. Mm. And I've always wanted to be look if if I went to a college. Uh, it certainly wouldn't have been Harvard or Yale, right? I'm, I'm kind of the middle of the school guy. Um, but again, if, if you have the heart and you have the passion and you have the will, uh, there is no limits of what we can do in this country. There are no limits, and I mean that. And, you know, if you're working nine to five, uh, the guy that's working nine to nine, even though the nine to five may be higher IQ or anything like that, the nine to nine ultimately is going to have an advantage and you compound that over days, weeks, years, decades. And, you know, the one thing I can tell you about Jennifer and I, we, we are either going to, we are going to win or we're going to die, <laughs> yeah. but, but we're not going to give up. And, uh, and, and, you know, I, I played against people like that and, and, and so have you Ed, and you just rather just go to the next person because, uh, yeah. That person that won't give up, you know, there's a there's a Rocky Balboa and a Rambo-esque that, uh, that is pretty admirable. Yeah, I learned that too, brother, from losing my dream. Obviously, I wasn't as talented as you, but you know that I wanted to play in the bigs too. And, you know, I don't know that I gave it everything I had when I was in college or when I first started to play. And I have a dream. And I share this often with people. It's a nightmare. I'm 50 years old next year, and I've done pretty well in business and in life. But when you don't give everything to a dream, like I think you, one of the things you're most proud of is, hey man, I gave everything I had to that sport, right? I, I know through being with you and watching Jen, like you just can't work. I mean, it's just, it's just unbelievable worker. And I didn't, everyone. I just want to share this with you as I ask Alex another question too is, I have nightmares at 50 years old. And when I give my talks to sports teams, I tell them, and the nightmare is, and I have it regularly. We all have that nightmare we know we're in, but we can't get out of. And mine is I can hear them announcing my name. Starting in center field, number eight, Eddie Milet, and you're, ah, and I can't get in the stadium. 
I'm locked out. I've got my uniform on and I'm telling the security guard, let me in, let me in. I'm, they just called my name. I'm the starting center. He goes, you can't get in, man. You can't get in. And it's me at 50 years old, 30 years later, wanting that dream and regretting so deeply that I didn't give everything I had, that it's to this day haunts me. And that's why I went and won in business. Like, never again. If I fail, it's going to be going out with everything I've got. I'm never going to have that nightmare of knowing, of wondering the rest of my life what could have been. I'm never going to have that. And it's something, obviously, in that sport you, have, you don't have to worry about. But I'm curious to ask you, brother, I watch you with the preparation part. How important have your mentors been? I mean, I see you with Warren Buffett. I see you with these other people. You've had access to some of the best of the best. But talk about that. I think everybody listening needs to find their mentor, even if it's virtual through a podcast or something like that. How about that element for you? How critical has that been? It's been vital and paramount in so many ways, Ed, because I'm someone that I never sit around saying, uh, I can't do it because I came from a single mother or I can't do it because I didn't graduate from college or I can't do it because I was too busy playing baseball. Um, I've always figured out a way and uh, I love playing chess. And, and in many ways, it's a microcosm of life. Uh, there's chess pieces and you have to be able to play them strategically. Uh, I'm a big, big believer in the long game. And if you believe in the long game and not the short game, mentors and allies are gonna be a ginormous part of your business trajectory. And I think young people, uh, do not spend enough time uh, building out their network, uh, watering the plants, uh, mm -hmm. calling in. I mean, right now is a perfect time to look in your black book and reach out to 10 to 20 people daily on email. Say hello, uh, send good energy, uh, thinking of you, sending positive energy. You're gonna be great if you need any. I, I've sent out probably 15 emails a week uh, to uh, people that are not, let's just say, in my first team, yeah. their second layers and secondary and tertiary kind of relationships, is there any, anything I can do to be helpful? Uh, just offering yourself. And, and, and I think in times like these is where you have an opportunity as a friend, as a mentor, as a business associate to, uh, to spread a lot of goodwill and also uh, help someone when they need you most. That's so totally mentorship has been... Uh, uh, a, a huge part of my life and you pay it forward everyone Alex just said something huge I'm so I'm so glad we're doing this bro like obviously bless <laughs> this time if you're feeling helpless get helpful as he just said you can't simultaneously feel helpless when you're being helpful to other people reaching out offering assistance and the other thing everybody through a time like this is you don't have to believe everything you think not every thought you have is true we all have these thoughts running around in our heads take time to be intentional about your thinking. Don't buy everything you're saying to yourself. It's not all true. We all have a BS meter we give ourselves as well. And so speaking of that, of thinking, I was thinking about you this morning. Baseball, your sport, is in a very interesting time right now. And obviously, you know, you're at the center of the sport, especially now. And, you know, the season may look a little bit different, you know, the, the sport going forward. If I could make you commissioner for a day of the MLB, what would you do? Well, I think Ed, this is an interesting question, and I'm so passionate about this, and I hope I don't get myself in trouble. But <laughs> I, I do think that um, baseball has an opportunity of a lifetime. And we're 
obviously not going to play 162 games, which is the, the regular season amount of games. Uh, we may play 55 or 60 games, and we may do it in a condensed season. Um, you know, I remember growing up that my father, uh, he loved baseball, and he watched baseball and boxing. Those were the two sports. And my father, who passed away a handful of years ago, uh, there was no NBA. There was no NFL. So baseball was king. And that's why I love baseball so much, because I just grew up with Phil Rizzuto and Ralph Kiner's Corner and all of that. And I think baseball has an opportunity this year to tell the traditionalists, I'm sorry, 2020 is not your year. The minute that we think about doing anything disruptive, they start screaming, not this year. 2020 is going to be a year for piloting, for piloting. And in many ways over the last two decades, baseball's had a little bit of a straitjacket. And the NBA and the NFL have flown by us. Mm-hmm. And they've, I think, flown by us because good is the enemy of great. We have an opportunity this year that any thought, any disruptive, naughty, radical thought that we've had about baseball, we should let it fly. One example, I mean, is there should be every game played this year, uh, they should have a handful of players from each team might. Give us that access, right? Um, open up the floodgates. 60 of the most valuable assets in our game today, we hide them. They're called 60 batting cages. Mm. Tell me what human being, whether you like baseball or not, you're not going to want to see Aaron Judge hit the ball every day at 4.30 before he gets ready for batting practice. And if we can put some technology behind that and actually see how hard and how fast that ball's coming off his bat called Velo Exit, it's an extraordinary opportunity. And... I would watch on my phone every day. The kids are phones and iPads. So if Aaron Judge is in your box every day at 4, 4.30, I think you get a massive audience for that. And really engage. I would put cameras, the umpires, I would put cameras on the bases, special sound effect. Uh, I would just let it fly this year. If you want to, I think you maybe go with 27, 28-man roster. Mm. Make sure that if we do play these double headers, seven games, uh, seven innings, seven innings, that we make sure that these young pitchers – Alex, is that right? Seven inning games? I mean, they're, they're thinking about it, right? Because that's a good way to get two games in in one day. Um, so you may want to expand the rosters a little bit. So anything that's disruptive, naughty, just let it fly. And I think what you'll find is that as much as you're being disruptive, you think, is going to be just right. And mm. that's what NFL and that's what the, the NBA are doing. And I think it would be an awesome, awesome year. And I got to tell you, the reason why you do that is because uh, you, we have to pay it back to the fans. And it's a little bit more complicated. MLB owners and the PA have to come to an agreement. But I would just say to all the lawyers, put your pens down this year. Uh, as fiduciaries of the game, the shareholders, which are the fans, let them access. Like, let them into the bedroom. Let them into the living room. The batting cages are the biggest assets. We want to see them. Let the fans see the batting cages. Oh, man. I love those ideas. It, it, also, just in this day and age in social media, allowing some of the players to be brands. Mike Trout shouldn't be able to go anywhere and people not know who he is. When I was a fan, people knew who A-Rod was. They knew Jeter. They knew Rocket Clemens, right? They knew all the stars of the game. And, and the NBA and these other sports have this advantage. So I love that. I love those ideas. And I want to just stay on that topic for a minute because I was going to ask you this about entrepreneurs in general. I happen to think this type of economy is favors the small guy. 
most big economies when they're booming, big companies have an advantage. When it's small like this, they're not as nimble. So a lot of you entrepreneurs out there, maybe capital's tight, but you can innovate. You can, you can be disruptive, to use your terminology right now as a smaller business person. Would some of that same conceptual advice be stuff you give to entrepreneurs in general? Like in this time, get a little disruptive, get innovative, or what are your thoughts on that? Well, there's no question about it. You and I talked last time, and there's an opportunity that we're going to look at together. Um, you, you have to understand that, you know, you being an entrepreneur is like being a good poker player. Mm. You have to be able to play good cards well and bad cards better. Whoa. And, and what I mean by that is, uh, where's the opportunity today? Uh, the stock market has never been lower in the last 10 years. Uh, there's a lot of volatility. There's a lot of fear in the streets. Warren Buffett taught us, um, be greedy when others are fearful, uh, be fearful when others are greedy. Mm -hmm. So what that means in today's day and age is to be able to calm your mind down and get in your pocket. And there's more opportunities today than there were six months ago, six weeks ago, three weeks ago. And over the next six months, there's going to be some epic opportunities and there's always going to be people that have wealthy and have liquidity or wealthy and have liquidity. So if you're able to bridge the gap and say, okay, I know that Ed loves trophy properties. I know that he likes hotels. I know he likes entertainment. How about if um, there's a great entertainment company that was trading for, you know, $10 million. And for whatever reason, I can get control of it for about three or $4 million. I'm going to call Ed and say, I just found a Delta of $6 million. You can buy this at 40 cents a dollar. Would you be interested? Well, two things are going to happen. Ed is going to say, yes, thank you. I'm going to kiss you. I'm going to buy it. And you make a nice commission. Or B, you're going to get some very valuable data that he's going to say, no, I don't want to buy it, but here's why. And yes. the why is the most important thing because now you're starting to build a relationship with Ed by bringing him something. He respects you because and thankful that you're bringing him something. Or B, you're getting something in return of why not. And then that why not helps you go get what Ed really wants. That, That's how I would be thinking. Very, very good. I've, been, you know, I've talked to a lot of people. I've not heard that said that way, Alex. Really, really good stuff. I think sometimes people, a couple things, and I want to ask you a family question, but I'm curious. A couple of reasons I think people don't move forward when they're, they have an idea like that is criticism. Dealing with criticism. And I've never even asked you this personally. But since I've known who you were, and since we've been friends, you get your share of criticism in your life, right? And anytime you're climbing in life, you're going to get criticism, right? Some of the stuff we do, you and I both in our lives, has been pretty self-imposed. Some of the stuff we've done is unfair. How have you dealt, or what advice would you give to people on dealing with criticism? And some of that could be within their own family. They're trying to do something great. They're trying to become an entrepreneur. You're crazy. That's not for our family. You know, what would you say about that? How do you deal with it? I'm curious. You know, I, this is the next, this is a subject that I actually have a PhD in. <laughs> criticism and getting booed. So I, I, I'm, I'm like a world expert here. And, and, and I have a lot of experience. But you know what, I, I think the best way for me to communicate and articulate that to you is is twofold. One, uh, when I served the longest suspension in Major League Baseball history for PED, PED use, I learned a lot of lessons. Now that could have gone one or two ways. Um, I was fortunate that I took that opportunity um, to uh, take full accountability for my mistakes, 
and then to uh, turn the lens inward and, and do a lot of work uh, on myself. And what I realized then was that I needed to mend in a way uh, physically, mentally, and and spiritually, because I had gone so hard uh, at, with this battle with Major League Baseball. And what I realized was Alex pre-suspension and me post-suspension were two different things. The pre-suspension was I wanted to be like a gladiator. I felt that being a champion was uh, more money, bigger contracts, home runs, blood, sweat, and tears. And I thought that was like the winner. What I realized after that being a champion was, you know, being loving in, at home with your family, uh, having others around you be champions, uh, being the mentor, not the mentee. Mm -hmm. And what I realized was that the number one key in my life was bringing levity and humor and humility to my life mm -hmm. is when people criticize you and you beat them to the punch and you have self-deprecation and you don't take yourself so seriously, it sounds simple, Ed, but it is a very powerful thing. And I remember, uh, I would say, before my suspension, well, Alex, you know, you had a tough game and you struck out three times. And I would say, yeah, but, you know, my, my fourth at time, I hit the ball hard, you know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, after I did my therapy and I realized you know, I gave myself some time to mature as an adult. I mean, look, I was in the, in the major leagues just a few months after my, my high school prom. And, and, and I went on this incredible sprint. Uh, and and at, at, at a very late age of 39, I served the suspension. So it was like I got slapped in the head a little bit too late, right? But I made the best of it. And then post-suspension, uh, if you came to me and said, Alex, you had a, a – a really tough game and you were over four, I would say tough game. That was a brutal game. I struck up three times. I don't even know why, you know, coaches putting me in there, but tomorrow's another day and I'm going to come out and do the best I can. And, and it was so liberating to, to have a little fun and have some levity and self-deprecation. And what I realized was I would wake up in the morning and uh, what's it called? PSD? What's it? PTSD, that, that's how it was. I, I would wake up and I'm like, oh man, the New York Post, they're gonna blast me and nothing in the paper. And I had a terrible game. And I, what I realized is that, you know, our attitude determines altitude. Yeah. And be, when we're comfortable in our own skin and we're able to have some levity and, and not take ourselves so seriously, people would also, also give you a break. And that's, a, that's an important factor. 150 shows. That's, I get almost, I'm mostly, that's one of my favorite answers I've ever heard on anything ever. That affected me. Because the thing is, I see you doing that too, you know? What a beautiful answer. Speaking of that, family, you brought it up. And um, I just want to say this to you, I haven't told you this privately either, but, you know, obviously, we, you and I both know a lot of people that are successful, and I admire success, but it doesn't, I don't know, it's, it's, uh, it's par for the course in some case for me. And what I've observed about you and Jen both, it's a blended family that you're building together. I so admire the way you are with your family, um, both you and Jen, from what I've observed. And one of the things, Alex, it's very ironic that I noticed about you, and I want to ask you about what you do to build strong family, because everybody, 
you have a huge life, Alex, right? Jen has a huge life. Most of the people listening to this are very busy people as well with children and school and soccer games and their normal life. And it's ironic, brother. I, I got to share this with you because I've not told you this privately. I've noticed two men in my life that did something I didn't do well enough as a dad. You're one of them. And ironically, it has nothing to do with the fact that he was an athlete. I don't think the other one was Kobe Bryant. Both of you, the week before Kobe passed away, I was with him at a volleyball tournament. And I happened to watch him walk out of the arena uh, that we were in. We are at the end. It was an 8 to 10 p.m. tournament. There were three matches left in this big arena, and our daughters were playing. It's 10 p.m., so there's only about five dads left that survived the day. Kobe was one of them. And I watched him, for some reason, walk out with Gigi that day and his other daughters. For some reason, I did. From the other end of the arena, I, I'll never, I don't know why. And I watched how affectionate physically he was with his daughter, hugging her, kissing her. And I took note of it, Alex. Like I went, I love Bella, but I don't know that I tell her or hug her or kiss her enough. Like just be affectionate enough. And I'm not kidding you, bro. When he did that, I thought of you. Because of all the men I've known, I've watched you with both of your children and you're so loving with them. And it looks to me like almost intentionally so. It's not just I love you, but you're hugging and kissing and you're, you're wonderful with these babies, man, these beautiful children of yours. Is that something you're sensitive because of the way you grew up, you know, talk about that a minute. Cause I, I just so admire the way you built your family. And I wanted to just acknowledge you for that because there's nothing to do with baseball or money. It's just as a dad, I've observed. Yeah. And I, I got to tell you, you know, um, thank you for that. And thank you for noticing is the single most important thing in my life is my family and 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 my faith and uh i have a lot of faith in 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 the good lord i have a lot of faith in in my family um but i gotta tell you that growing up without a father i think has inspired me uh to be a present father and to uh you know raise now four great 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 children that we're so fortunate to have but you know when you think about what is the ultimate championship what does heaven look like for me it was what we did last night. I, I, I finished my last call at 11.30 at night. Uh, I come to my bedroom and I just think it's Jennifer and I have five kids uh, in our bed and Jennifer sits right in the middle. And uh, we were watching, when we was that? Little Women. We were watching Little Women. And uh, I was like, oh my gosh, let me just take a quick shower and I'm just gonna jump in this party. And we sat there and we watched the movie for like the next hour. And I was asking all type of you know, dumb questions because I was trying to catch up. They were halfway through. They were all telling me to be quiet. And I'm like, this is what real, real wealth looks like. Uh, this is what real happiness looks like uh, in the middle of this you know, crisis to find uh, happiness with love and, and respect from your family. Uh, there's, there's nothing like it. I'm so happy for you, bro. I really am. That's beautiful. I wanted people to hear that about you. So, um, and Jennifer, my observation too, just two people that are so loving with their children together, building such a beautiful family. So congratulations. Okay, last question. Um, and then anything you want to tell us that you're up to that we need to know about too. But there's a lot of people watching this and they're hearing about the success you have in your family and the insights you've had through your humility and the self-deprecation and dealing with criticism and advice for entrepreneurs and you know advice for major league baseball there's a lot there that we've kind of unpacked in a little quick window here but when i think of you the other thing i think of after your family life is a comeback 
And in the last four or five years, in every way, shape, sense, and form, you've come back. And I know you're still coming back. I know you don't feel like you're all the way there yet. You still have other things you want to accomplish and achieve. Some of them are some huge things. But there's a lot of people right now, because of what's going on, they're going to need to make a comeback. There's going to be a point here where they got to come back as a family. They've got to come back financially, emotionally, some of them physically. So what's the elements of a comeback? What advice would you give for millions of people who are listening to this, several hundred thousand that will watch it, that are saying, I got I to gotta make a comeback? And Alex Rodriguez did a pretty good job of that. What would some of your advice be to them on how to do that? I think, you know, confidence is, is a really big thing. And that's why I'm such a, an advocate of um, working on your set, working on yourself, working on your set of skills, uh, getting more educated. Um, you know, what, what made me a very good baseball player was I had great fundamentals. People thought about the home runs or that, but you mentioned about being a shortstop and a third baseman. Uh, I, I spent hours and hours physically and mentally uh, always trying to hone my skills, just like, you know, Bruce Lee honed his skills as, as a karate expert or Roger Federer uh, on the tennis court or Jordan on the basketball court. I felt that if you look at the great, great players, great athletes in the history of the game, when you look at the great business people, they all have one thing in common. Steve Jobs, Warren Buffett, you know, Barry Sternlet, whoever these guys are, their fundamentals are off the charts. And while everyone looks at the big home runs and the big championships, the core of it is they're, they're smarter than you, but they usually have better fundamentals than you. Mm. And so I always go back to that. That is the core of anyone who's successful. You and I can, you know, someone sees, you know, you bought a house, I bought a nice house. But ultimately, if you take it all away, uh, we have these fundamentals that are really strong. And the stronger those fundamentals, the better you are. So that's number one. Then, then is self-awareness. You know, we're not going to be good at everything. Like my superpower is baseball. I understand that very good. I'm, I'm fairly good at business. But then you take me outside of that, and then I'm going to have to call my, my counterpart, Jennifer, who's really good at a lot of things. Right? Bro, I've seen you dance. I don't recommend you do a lot of that. Exactly. <laughs> and I've had some late-night outfit changes that I don't want to recommend either. But uh, – you know, if I go to technology, I go to, to our four kids. I mean, our boy, Max, he's a wizard, and he can just fix any computer. Like, you know, it's just unbelievable. So I think that's really self-awareness. Again, I go back to humility, uh, not taking yourself so seriously, and, uh, and to take small wins as big wins, because small wins add up. Mm. Uh, I always say, don't think so big. Think about one step, one win. and mm. One advice that I would give, and by the way, I'm not giving anyone advice. I'm just sharing sure. uh, ideas and, and, and nuggets that have worked for me and what hasn't worked for me. So I, I'm always very aware of not giving anyone advice because that's not, I'm not in a position to give anyone advice. But I, I like sharing uh, some of the principles that I've learned over the years. Is, uh, I, I live and die by my list. I always have like uh, like a notebook, right? And I have like my 10 things to do. And then, me too. By the end of the day, I literally like everyone wants to write a computer. I have to write it down. And when I'm done and I have all my check, 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 man, I feel so good, so good. And if there's one that I missed, then I just roll it over to the next day. And um, it's been great for me.
I'm identical, brother. I want to, I, it's funny, everyone, I want to just unpack two things he said there and then have Alex tell you where to find him now. Everybody, he said two things that are the critical. I do the same thing. I have a written down to-do list that I cross them off. Why do I do that? I do that because it's, in, it's an indication to me that I'm intentionally doing things not everybody's willing to do, and I'm tricking my identity and my self-confidence into believing if I consistently do things other people aren't willing to do, I'm going to get things other people aren't going to get. And self-confidence, everybody, is the process of keeping the promises you make to yourself. And so that list is an indicator. I kept that promise. I kept that promise. I kept that promise. And that transforms self-confidence. The other thing, when you see someone like Jennifer or Alex or in a much smaller way myself that has had success, they stack small wins because those small wins create momentum. And momentum is a magnifier. I guarantee you. There's been a time in your life where Jen's or my, we're, we're even sometimes go, how did I get here? You know, you wonder that. And one of the things is momentum's a magnifier. You've seen that in baseball. Not every year does the best MLB team win the World Series. It's the hottest pitching staff or the hottest bats, right? Hockey, it's the hottest goaltender, right? So momentum can magnify average ordinary people into doing great things. And I know that, at least in my case, I'm just average, but I got momentum. I've built self-confidence. I've done so many of the things Alex talked about today, except you speak about it in such a far more in-depth and eloquent way. Brother, this I knew we would do good today. I knew this would be awesome, but it exceeded my expectations big time. Not I, I, want, I want to tell you one thing that I think is important I wanted to share with you because, yeah. you know, <clears throat> when people, uh, you know, think about my career, and, and what I'm going to tell you is about how to handle what I think is the toughest thing for any entrepreneur or any human being is how do you handle the word no or rejection? And when people think about my career, they think about all the big wins, right? The, the, the home runs, 2000 runs scored, 2000 RBIs and numbers are fabulous, but they forget to tell you that I'm fifth all time, fifth and all time in the, in the history of strikeouts. So that means, you know, I have a PhD in failing, but I also tell people I have a, have a master's in getting back up. And that type of failure at that level, at that degree, with an average fan base of 40 or 50,000 people watching these strikeouts, that means there's only four people in the history of mankind that have struck out more than me. It brings me great pride to say that one of them is my good friend Reggie Jackson. So that's a really good thing. Uh, I'll never catch him there. But, but why I say that, Ed, is that you and I get told no more than the average person that'll be watching this because we take more chances. And what's interesting is the word no, a rejection can destroy our kids, can destroy the next generation, can destroy someone who may be fragile. To me, the word no is the greatest vitamin energizer that anyone can give me. It doesn't mean a damn thing to me. If someone says no to me, it's like, okay, work that much harder. It reminds me where I come from. It reminds me of being a Boys and Girls alum. So is Jennifer. It reminds me of a single mother who had two jobs. No is like the greatest, you're one step closer to yes to a win to a championship. Mm. And I just want to remind people out there that Nine out of 10 entrepreneurs fail in their ideas with entrepreneurship, mm. but it's those ones that get up, dust themselves up, get back to bat and say, this time I'm going to do it. And if you fail, 
get back up again. Maybe fail, get back up again. Trust me. Fifth all time in the history of the game, and I just keep getting back up. Wow. And I encourage everyone to just believe in themselves and go for it. Just that's powerful, brother. The, the fact that, because that's what you see. You see 3,000 hits and 700 jacks, basically, and you forget to get there. It took fifth all time in K's. That's awesome stuff. Jeez, that's good. Uh, not that they don't know where to get you, but if you wanted someone listening to this to go find you, if they've been living under a rock somewhere, where should they go find more of you every single day? Uh, well, you can go to page six every day and you'll find me there. Jen didn't think it was that funny. Anyways, I thought it was funny. Um, uh, you, you can find me at uh, A-Rod on Instagram. Uh, you can try uh, The Corp is my podcast. Ed, I would love to have you one day. Uh, you will be amazing. Uh, you have so much to offer. And uh, that's it. I'm out and about, and uh, I'm usually around my kids somewhere. Brother, I'm so grateful for today. Oh, I'm on TikTok now. Jennifer reminds me I'm on TikTok. Are you dancing on there? A-Rod 13. TikTok. A-Rod 13. And if they go, is, is the, is there, are there dance videos? Because that's worth literally going this minute. Click off the podcast, guys. Go over there. Are, are... Yes, but watch at your own risk. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Thank you so much, brother. Hey, everybody. Speaking of that, I run the Max Out 2-Minute Drill every day on Instagram. I want to engage with you. I give giveaways every day. We pick a winner every day. All you got to do is make a comment or make a comment on people's comments or comment every day. We pick winners. Come see me speak, my book, one-on-one uh, -on -one coaching for me, fly on the jet. Whatever we do, we pick winners every week and give them cool stuff, and I'd love to engage with you more. So God bless you, everybody. Alex, thanks so much, brother. You got it, man. Max thanks, out, everyone. Take care. This is the Admiral Show.